chat room with Cortland and Amelia. The following podcast may include explicit content and language not suitable for younger audiences. Discretion is advised. Unfortunately, you have those people that have one eye closed. I don't want to say ignorant. No, but it, it is. is. Yeah. No, and yeah, it's they're burying their head in the sand and not looking at what's actually going on. So, but why would someone? You know, it's. It, I know somebody, like, as I was telling you, I know someone that's like that. Like the other day I was having a conversation with them about Black Lives Matter. Not like that specific subject, but I literally was sitting in my car and I was looking at this person and I was like, who are you? And like the scary part is, is that there's other people that think like that. Right, but you said, who are you because... Because of the things that he was saying, like, oh, like, you know, people blame their failures on racism, and, you know, like, if you're not successful, you're blaming it on racism, and I'm like... Right, you have someone who has taken an oath to serve and protect, and he blatantly, in front of witnesses, just takes someone's life. Yeah. And you don't want to say that that was related to racism. And I know that there's people out there that are saying, well, you had a Korean or Filipino, whatever that other guy was. Oh, yeah. And there was a, I think the other guy was Puerto Rican or something like that. And there was a, another white man. But because you have all that going on, it, it still doesn't defeat, you racially profiled George Floyd for a $20 bill. Right. That's what I don't think the, yeah. I understand. And it, I, I don't know if we've ever confirmed if it was counterfeit, but it, I, you know, it still it doesn't matter. You don't take someone; it's not justified to to kill somebody because they have a counterfeit bill. Yeah, that's insane. And it's almost like you you did that and in front of people while on camera because you wanted to show how much authority you have. Like I can I can I can literally suffocate this guy if I want to. And not a single one of you watching can do a thing about it. And I think that's you would, what's infuriating. Yeah. Because I, I think about that, too. Like, if I were a witness to that, I, I don't know what I would have done myself. Like, I'm looking at this, and the people that are supposed to be helping are standing there watching. Do I call more? You know? It's like... And that's what you and I had talked about. Like, exactly that. People that are supposed to be protecting you are doing it in front of your face. Don't really give a crap. Right. And then it's like, wait, but they're in uniform. Like, I'm going to call more people in uniform? Because when those people, like, let's say somebody, some more cops were, were to have shown up. Trust and believe nobody would have stopped him. Everybody would have pushed the crowd back further. You know, police, there's a code amongst, you know, them because they have to see, they have to make certain that they have each other's back. Right. So if someone steps in, and I'm sure, you know, if anybody had an inkling that what was happening out of the four police officers, out of the three that were standing there, if they had an inkling that something was wrong, they're probably uh, hesitant to step in and say, okay, that's enough. 
because they want to make sure that in case something else happens with them, this police officer has their back. You know, like, I don't want to interfere with this going on with George and this police officer, because if I step in and say that's enough, then if my life is in trouble, you know, someday down the road, then I want to make sure that this police officer has my back and they don't go, well, you know what? You uh, didn't have my back when I was trying to uh, detain George, so I'm not going to have your back when, you know, you're dealing with someone who's trying to resist arrest. Deal with them on your own. Mm -hmm. But then again, that's why I feel like this these body cams i don't think that the police officers should have the ability to manually turn them on and off yeah the moment they have it on or the moment they come in to to do work or they check in or whatever it is that they do that thing should come on now as far as the body cam goes when the cops went to go and knock well not really knock when they went to brianna taylor's house they nobody had body cams i didn't know that right they were why you're going on a what i would think mission to go you know come in this house to look at for evidence whatever it is that they were planning on doing but you don't have any footage of that there's no camera there's there's nothing so we're just supposed to believe what you're saying now really quick Mm -hmm. i do want to put a disclaimer out there Mm -hmm. Not every cop is like that. And not all of them are like that. And it's unfortunate that people like the ones that have unfortunately killed other human beings are being portrayed as like, oh, every cop is like that. They're mm-hmm. not. I just wanted to say that. Because mm-hmm. cause they're not. I mean, it's right from wrong. Like that's what that's that's what racism is. I think mm-hmm. a part of it, right? A lot of people don't know what right from wrong is. You can't go around calling people the n word uh, just because you want to. No, that's wrong. But um. But anyways, you know, um, police they have another standard. Like uh, as much as you might hear, you know, people calling each other that. They, uh, they, they are held to a completely different standard. So, you know, if they go around and referring, just like in New York where we saw uh, protests and that police officer referred to uh, some of the um, protesters there as, you know, faggots, that's, that was uncalled for. And, you know, you might hear other protesters or other people who are bystanders referring to the protesters that way. But police officers, you can't do that. Right. They're and supposed they, to set an example. Right. And so I know that there's a big issue with the amount of uh, of training that police officers uh, receive. And so I was just like looking into some of this stuff. Like when you, when you hear about like uh, a Tatiana uh, Jefferson. Okay. Police officer that went to the, a woman's house to do a non-emergency welfare check. And, oh yeah, I remember. Right, and didn't announce himself. Didn't knock. Didn't knock on the door. Was looking in a window, and then immediately says, "Put your hands up," and then shoots his gun. Like, and I think they slowed the video down, and there was like maybe half a second between telling the person to put your hands up, and then shooting your gun. Like you didn't even give them a moment to to do what you to asked. respond to what you said yeah it was and then i go how much training are these people getting i saw i think it's here in la 
that they receive about between, I think, 24 to 30 weeks of training. I looked at, at Texas. Depending on your job, if you're doing like traffic safety, then you receive 12 to 14 weeks. And if you do, if you're a police officer, then you might get like 30 weeks. But I, I, even that I don't think is enough. I, I mean, I can understand people saying like the training portion. To me personally, it's really, I feel like, I feel like it's hard to train people like that. It absolutely because, because it is hard. Because every situation is different. Every scenario, every this, like you could run a scenario and have somebody tell you, okay, well, what if this? And what if that? And what if this? But what if every scenario that you thought was mm-hmm. going to happen mm-hmm. ended up not happening? And then something that was completely way off out of all your scenarios occurred right you know it's hard to do that train and it's hard and that's what i know a lot of people might be focusing on the training time but to me it's hard to train someone like that no and again i'm not justifying i know anyone's actions it's just just like you would say you know working in a hospital and you're trained in your medical schooling uh, for three years to handle so many situations, but then you're you're thrown into a situation that's never happened before. Nothing that you've ever studied before is thrown at you, and how do you handle that? But hopefully with your three years of medical training, you can go, okay, well, I have something that might be somewhat similar. I've dealt with something, you know, but six months, yeah, that's not, that's not enough, especially when you have people's lives in your hand. And I know we, we probably do the same thing with our military, and we, we recruit these kids... Because that's out. what they are. I mean, most people. What you don't even do? You have to have a high school diploma to join the military. No, the the police academy. Oh, I, I believe so. I think you have to. Have you a have GED, to at least, huh? Yeah, at least high school or, or equivalent. So, what would you say to those people that say that this George Floyd thing is not racist? That we made it. Yeah. I was listening to the radio, and a caller called in and said that we were making it racist. That because there was different ethnicity officers at the scene, that it wasn't racist. And so then the host of the radio show said, well, wh- okay, but like, do you not think that they racially profiled George Floyd? And the guy that called in was Mexican. And I'm sitting there listening to this, and I'm like, What? What do you mean? It, you know, and it's so interesting because, and I was going to show this to you, but there was a website that I was looking at that shows the racial demographics of people who are incarcerated. You, you see that black people are five times more likely to be arrested than white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just in all states. Now you got c- certain states where it's actually 10 times higher. Like, you cannot convince me that that racism isn't involved in that to some degree. Because black people make up 13% of the entire United States. But in some places, we make up over, like, 72%. I believe Maryland has over 72% black people imprisoned. In, in, in you can't tell me that there isn't a stigma related to pol- a police viewing black people as criminals. Right. Like let's let's say that the 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 man that murdered George Floyd was black. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this would still be racial? Um, there there would still be the issue of uh, police brutality on black communities. Do you think it's racial because the the guy that killed him was bl- was white? 
Well, I mean, if you look at the majority of the cases, that I mean, like we were talking about earlier, majority of the police that killed black people, they're either white or not. They're not black. So yeah, I mean, it is somewhat racial. Like not is somewhat racial. It is racial. Yeah. You know, like why? But it, the whole criminal justice system needs to be looked at because it is racial. Like I've read that a lot of judges, when it comes to uh, nonviolent offenses, sometimes they're when it comes to sentencing, they go off the book and they're like, you know what? We're gonna sentence you for this amount of time, and they're just kind of going, okay, well, you know what? You had this much, you had this much drugs on you. Let's just go ahead and sentence you to this and that. And you're like, wait a minute, like why is it that, you know, all of a sudden you're just being so sort of lax with the rules? And sentencing me, because I've heard that black people tend to get far longer sentences than white people for the same crime. Like I don't know the stats on that, but mm-hmm. but I've heard that judges tend to be a lot more lax with nonviolent crimes, especially when it comes to uh, the rules and procedures on how to sentence people. Yeah. Now, one thing that I kind of caught my attention mm-hmm. from the Breonna Taylor that I didn't know was in the police report they listed Taylor's injuries as none. Are you serious? Yeah. I believe she was shot like eight times? Eight times. She was shot eight times. And they listed her injuries as none. They, they also said that they did not force entry, even though they used a they, battering ram. Exactly. And, and, and they weren't clothed officers. Like, they weren't dressed in uniform. Right. And so it, that's, what I, that's why I go back to saying with the body cam, they were saying that they did identify themselves as police, but mm-hmm. Breonna Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, said that they didn't, and that's why he fired, because right. they thought that somebody was coming in in their house. And that's why he fired, or what, or who? That's why he fired, because they fired first. Was or legally... I don't know, you know, I take that back. I don't know who fired first. Uh-huh. I don't know if it was the cops or if it was... Kenneth Walker, but I know... And, and the only person to die was the was unarmed woman. The unarmed woman. Yeah. You know, crazy. but it's just, it's it's those little flaws that get people fired up. The fact that your police report says her injuries were none. You're saying you used no force to go, go inside. There was no body camera footage. So how do we even know what really happened? We're supposed to believe what you're telling us? Right. And your report says no wounds. And you None. can see that she died from what then? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like this body camera thing should not even be questioned. And you I, know? I, yeah, I, oh man, I wish I could find that. There was another incident where you saw a police officer. He had his body cam on. And then I think they tried to say that it was turned off when, a airbag deployed, but then it suddenly came on after he had shot and killed uh, a black man that was was trying to evade arrest or something. And I'm like, that's very interesting that, you know, it turns off, your body cam turns off during the whole incident, but then comes back on after the uh, suspect is killed. Like, these things should not be manually controlled at all and that's the unfortunate thing that most of the time and i guess that's how life works is when something bad happens you got to fix it right so after that whole brianna taylor 
they banned the no knock warrant in Georgia. Really? Mm-hmm. On June 11th. Wow. But it sucks because it's like, you know. What sucks about that? It sucks that they banned it after she died. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, Just like you know? with the Eric Garner thing. It's like they banned the chokehold. Or wait, maybe it was banned before that officer used it. I think it. they said that the only reason that you could use the chokehold is if your life is in danger. Right, but I think it's banned completely now. Now it is. Yeah. That should have never been something that you would need to use. I mean, I can't even suffocate somebody and think that it's, it's okay. okay. Yeah. Yep. I know. So Ahmad Arbery, who ha- that happened, that incident happened in February 23rd, I think. Uh, Brianna Taylor, March, and then you had George Floyd, which happened May 25th. And when you have back to back, back, and then when you have Ahmad Arbery, you have the DA, four, wait, four prosecutors would not charge. That father and son, the McNichols. Now, I did read on that because some of them knew them. So they were like, I don't want to do it. I'm going to give it to somebody else. And then they were like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I'm associated with the son. I'm not dealing with it. And then when it finally got to the last last person. They weren't charged until, I think, 74 days after the incident? Yeah. How are you going to wait two and a half months to charge somebody? Like, don't you think that uh, there's a risk that they're going to just take off? They were indicted with uh, malice murder, four counts of felony murder, two counts of aggravated assault, false imprisonment, and environment... No. Attempt to commit false imprisonment. But the most serious charge out of all of those is the malice murder because in Georgia, the law says that that's the intention of killing a person with malice afterthought you know and now what's your point of view on the on the third person because we have gregory mcmichael which is the dad Mm -hmm. and then we have travis mcmichael which is the son and then william bryan Mm -hmm. which is the guy that was filming right um now should he be indicted on all those counts as well well he was charged with all of that Mm mm-hmm I don't. I don't know if he should be charged with the malice murder. I don't know that, but he didn't try to stop it. An accomplice? Well, I don't know that he knew it was going to get to that point. Now, how is he related to? He's not. He's a neighbor. Oh, so he was just watching. He was following. He saw that Gregory, that the McMichaels, grabbed their shotguns and were chasing after this guy, and so then he went as well. Now, let's also make note that. Ahmad didn't take anything from that construction site. And the reason why they went after him was because there had been robberies in the neighborhood and he looked suspicious. Months before there had been robberies in the neighborhood. Yeah. And so when when you see something suspicious, I mean, wouldn't you like... I think he did call the police. He did call the police. The McMichaels called the police, um, and but then they they grabbed their shotguns. They had a a point three five seven Magnum handgun and a shotgun. But yeah, I don't know that William Bryan should get all counts. 
I don't. I don't think that they would. I, I didn't see all the charges. Yeah, there. all three white men were indicted. Yeah, I can definitely see him as an accomplice. And if he was withholding that video. So what happened was that William Bryan had the video and what he wanted to do, well, what he wanted to get out of publicly putting that out there was to show the real truth as far as the McMichaels being innocent. So he wanted to show that they did not kill him. He wanted to show that they were in the right. Oh, I don't know if if that video uh, can show that. I don't see what I, that they were in the right. I, I mean, from what I remember, it just shows them getting out of their pickup and confronting him. And then uh, there's a struggle with the gun. With the gun. Yeah. But I don't know how that shows with him jogging and then they kind of stop and are talking or shouting at him. I don't know that that's. How's that going to show that they were in the right? That's where you have ignorant people that don't know what, you know? Okay. And so, I mean, yeah, I think it's unfortunate that it's taken all of this to finally speak up. Now, you you went to the the protest, Mm -hmm. the LGBTQ protest. And then the Black Lives Matter. How was, how was that? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was kind of a roller coaster of emotion. Like there were moments where, like I told you, um, at one point when we were marching, I do remember that there was somebody trying to cut through uh, the marchers to um, get across the street to, I don't know, some store. And I was like, really, are you gonna? So I know when we took another route uh, and it was unexpected and traffic was really getting held up, I thought that we were gonna see like a lot more aggravated drivers. And so, and people were honking and some of them I know were definitely honking for, uh, to show support, but I was concerned that some of them were just gonna get upset and kind of ram through. But other than that, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was very, um, it was inspiring I, to see that so many people, before I thought that the crowd would be major, um, uh, the majority of the crowd was going to be black, but um, it was it was a mix of it was a mix of everybody, mm-hmm. and that was what was even uh, even touching was to see all the signs that were in support of it, and to see that they were in support of my people. You know what I mean? Like I'm not. I, I'm guys. I, Cortland is black. Yes, I'm. I am black. <laughs> but I'm. I was thinking that definitely there were going to be a lot of black people who were fed up and they're tired of seeing this. But to see all the signs and groups that were saying, you know, Arabs uh, for Black Lives Matter and Asians for Black Lives and Latinos for Black Lives. Yeah, and then all the young people that were out there. Yeah, I was. I was pretty. Um, I was pretty surprised, but I, I mean, I loved the whole. I loved the whole thing, and you know, walking fifteen miles doing it—that's something that's gonna like, stick with that, you forever. Yeah, you know, and and it's it. I, I didn't go. I wish I could have gone. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I can understand that. I think there was a big crowd. I couldn't really tell. That Thirty thousand, I think they said. Yeah, I could tell that it was. There was a lot of people, but I didn't know it was that many. 
it, I didn't get the sense of it being that big, but when you're surrounded by it, but I can see why people would be uh, reluctant to go, especially with, you know, the pandemic. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that if the people could do it, you know, they, they were out there. Um, I understand that there were people that were, were definitely hesitant to, to make it out there, but um, they still show support, you know, like, you know, we have a, a coworker who didn't do it, but she wanted to, and so she made her sign and and has it posted up on her front lawn. So I'm like, okay, you know, that's that's showing that she's in support, so. And there were, there were definitely some good speakers, and I think toward the end of this, I'd like to show a little clip. Now, you were talking about, do you want to say her name? Yeah, uh, her name is, uh, she's a speaker with the Conversation Truck, and her name is Blossom C. Brown, and she was trying to emphasize the need of support for black trans women, and... Um, uh, that's something that I wasn't uh, as aware of. I mean, I knew that they were treated uh, unfairly a lot of the time, but I didn't realize until I was listening to her speak that uh, how much support they need and how, how their voices need to be included in the Black Lives Matter movement as well. Right. So. And, and, and we go back to that whole Black Lives Matter. Well, everybody's lives matter. Yes. Oh, shoot. Don't get me started. Of course, everyone's lives matter. And okay, so like a history, quick history lesson. The Black Lives Matter movement started, uh, remember Trayvon Martin, uh, there was a 17-year-old who got killed by the, um, the member of the Neighborhood Watch in Florida, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. George Zimmerman. And George Zimmerman um, shot and killed Trayvon and when his trial took place and he was acquitted, there was uh, a woman um, named Alicia Garza, I think, Alicia Garza. She wrote uh, an essay or a post on social media and it was, uh, it was entitled, uh, A Love Note to Black People, Our Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. And co-founders of Black Lives Matter at the end of her post, write uh, hashtag Black Lives Matter. And that was in 2013. And then you saw after the, the killing of uh, Michael Brown in 2014, you saw the first national protest for Black Lives Matter. That is related to like black inju uh, injustices inflicted on black people and police brutality. And so it completely makes sense that it became Black Lives Matter. But some people are feeling excluded or they don't feel like there's enough inclusivity in, in the title. So they're saying, you know, all lives matter. And, and uh, it's almost like it's almost like when you know, you're driving and you see these car, these people with their car cars and the little bumper stickers that say baby on board. Mm hmm. Right. And As say, a disclaimer to be like, be all careful. All people are on board. But then, then I saw another sticker that said adults on board. Like <laughs> everyone's life 
it's matters. Like, no one there is taking not- that away from anybody. Right. You know, and I think at the moment when you start questioning, well, what about my life? And what about my life? Like, that's you being ignorant because you're not aware. Like, you're you're not wanting to open your eyes to what is actually going on. And I feel like they're completely taking away. Did you get away- murdered by... Right. In cold blood? Yeah. Eight minutes, 46 seconds? They... Oh, yeah. I, I think they completely take away from what people are trying to say because now they're trying to to make a whole argument that's not even a part of it like and you know like whatever you feel about you know zuckerberg and how he mm-hmm. his facebook the way he got that but you know he has a wall in his uh building or at like the facebook headquarters where he allows employees to write on their like their thoughts and feelings and i think it was 2016 or 14 around there people would write hashtag black lives matter and he noticed that it was becoming an issue because then other employees would come up to the wall and cross out black and put all and then he had to send out a memo to all the employees explaining it's not about black lives are the only lives that matter they're trying to emphasize that their communities are experiencing injustices and this needs to stop. But I would think like it doesn't take, you know, a rocket science to figure this out. You know, it's just turn on the TV, listen to the radio a bit, go online and look at what's happening. It doesn't, you know, require, you know, you to take college courses to figure this out. Well, that happened to Jeff Bezos, too. What did he do? He, and on the Amazon website. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. He had the Black Lives Matter um, border. What is it? Like banner on his banner. website? Banner, yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, Jeff Bezos had the Black Lives Matter banner, and someone emailed him and said, it is quite disturbing to get on the Amazon website and see Black Lives Matter. You provide services to more than millions of people, including myself and the rest of my family for our business needs and personal purchases. I am for everyone voicing their opinion and standing up for what you believe in, but for your company to blast this on your website is very offensive to me, and I'm sure you'll be hearing from others. All lives matter, cabs. Now, maybe I'm going off on a bit of a tangent. Well, then let me tell you what Jeff said. Okay, no, Macy, her name's not Karen. No, Macy, <laughs> I have to disagree with you. Black Lives Matter doesn't mean other lives don't matter. Black Lives Matter speaks to racism and the disproportionate risk that black people face in our law enforcement and justice system. I have a 20-year-old son, and I simply don't worry that he might be choked to death while being detained one day. Mm-hmm. It's not something I worry about. Black parents can't say the same. None of this is intended to dismiss or minimize the very real worries you or anyone else might have in their own life. But I want you to know I support their movement, that we see what's happening all around us, and my stance won't change. My sincere, very best, Jeff. Good. And that's what it is. It's not, we're not, nobody's saying that other people's lives don't matter. You know, I saw this sign where... It's a, a little girl holding a sign that says, uh, it says, uh, we said black lives matter. Never said only black lives matter. We know all lives matter. 
we just need your help with Black Lives Matter, for Black Lives are in danger. She summed it up pretty good, but I wish it, 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 it wasn't even part of this argument. Like this, I wish people wouldn't even try to make it. No, it shouldn't be Black Lives Matter. It should be All Lives Matter. And it might be a little bit of a tangent, but I think like Black Lives Matter facing like the adversity that it does. Okay, would you, did you have any issue with women saying that they're fed up with being uh, sexually assaulted during the uh, hashtag Me Too, hashtag Time's Up movement? It's, it's interesting that they didn't make it about all of us when it was the hashtag Me Too or the hashtag Time's Up. What I'm saying is, People are criticizing Black Lives Matter for not being inclusive enough. They're saying all lives matter, right? Okay. But does hashtag me too, hashtag times up, does that get as much criticism for not being inclusive enough? My point is people don't have issue with women speaking up and saying we've had enough of this. I, I just, I think that there, there's a lot more criticism that the Black Lives Matter movement faces that you wouldn't see other movements face. No. But th then we go back to the same thing. There's people that are ignorant. Now, everyone's voice matters. And that's the great thing about America, that your voice matters. So just a quick sidetrack. Go vote. Go now, that vote. That is an important part. Of and, it. and make your voice be heard, whether you think black lives matter or all lives matter. Go vote. Because what people need to maybe rethink about is that you voting is not just for the president it's for you know people in congress the senate you know your your mayors your governors your city you know it's everything so yeah it's not saying that only black lives matter my life matters i'm not black my life matters too but i am <laughs> you know like um the when you look at the civil rights movement we all know, like we said, you know, all men are cre created equal. But if we had marches back then that were saying, you know, we're all created equal, I, I, I that message is is clear. Like we get that, but um, I think it, it's even more definitive what our issue is when we say we deserve to sit in the same diners as you, or we deserve to sit in any seat of the bus as you, or we deserve to have, uh, have a, a drink from a fountain, the same fountain that you drink from. You know what I mean? Like, I think that those marches and saying that it, it can, it's about black people being treated unfairly. You can have these Jim Crow laws that say separate but equal, but if you're not really treating everyone equally, you need to specify who's being treated unequally. And I think that that's what Black Lives Matter does. And yet you, you have a combination of the protests and working alongside uh, politicians to change policies and reform that. And that's what's important about voting. But I, I, I completely disagree with this whole, I mean, I don't disagree with all lives matter, but I do think that it needs to be specified what's wrong like if we're all out chanting all lives matter and someone comes along and they're not really familiar with the movement and they go all lives matter obviously well i mean what does that mean what all lives matter of course we know all lives matter you know what i'm you know mm -hmm, what i'm saying mm -hmm. like you you have to specify 
what the problem is. And so when you say Black Lives Matter, then you go, well, you're zooming into the problem. Exactly. You're, You're getting closer. You're getting so when and it gets even more narrowed down when you go black trans lives matter. And then you go, okay, well, wait a minute, are trans women and trans men being treated unfairly? And then you can look it up and go, oh, wow, yes, they are. And, and that's the thing, Cortland, that people don't look up. They don't care to look up. No. No, and they even just want to go off of what they see on TV. Yeah. And, no, and even me preparing for this podcast because obviously we need to know what we're talking about and we mm-hmm. want to get our all our all of our facts straight and as i told you i was looking it up making sure that i knew everything about you know all the people that have been mentioned but then i came across 20 other people whose names i've never heard mm-hmm. and i know there's some people that say oh well racism happened so or slavery happened so long ago like why are we still talking about it? Yeah, there's people that think like that. Okay. And the me, problem, the reason why I think is because guess what? It's mm-hmm. still happening. Let me, okay. So you look at slavery ending in 1865. Just recently, the June 10th, June, what is it? Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Um, so yeah, June 19th, 1865 was when the last slaves were uh, freed. And I, that, I think it was like 250,000 were released in, in Texas. But that's 1865. Mm-hmm. Then you fast forward 100 years later. Now, these, these black people have been freed for 100 years, and yet they're still being treated unfairly. In 100 years, they're still not getting equal treatment. So, yeah, just because you free them doesn't mean everything's you gonna know, be rainbows and sunshine unicorns. no you you have a hundred years to get things together and it's still not together and so in 1960s you're still seeing the civil rights movement now 1960s now we're fast forwarding almost 50 years later and things still aren't going to be perfect i mean we'd be foolish to believe that everything's perfect i had a lady tell me we elected a black president so you can't say that there's any more racism and I was like, are you kidding me? So you're saying that because we've had Barack Obama, racism has been completely erased from our country. You got to be kidding me. But I think some people feel that way. Yeah, a lot of people, people feel that way. Yeah, I think they feel like, okay, in a list of uh, uh, 43 people, we've elected one black one. And so he's number 44 out of all the, the 43 that came prior. And so now we have no more racism. And we're good. Yeah. That, that makes up for the last 16, 19 was when the first slaves arrived. So, yeah, that makes up 400 years. Sorry. <laughs> I'm Because who started that black and brown lives matter? I don't know. When you look at imprisonment, the Latino community that is also uh, imprisoned at higher rates than, than white people. So I mean, yeah, brown, to, Latinos, brown, have their own fair share with and LAPD. And I hear that the numbers are even higher, but there are states that don't really uh, record uh, ethnicity. So, well, that's because we're all in California. W- well, no, I'm just saying, like, in Ca- <laughs> like I think Maryland is one of them, um, where they, they might even have a much larger Hispanic uh uh, body of prisoners, but they don't do a lot of um, recording based on race. Like, 
you know, I, I'm sure that they experience di- discrimination amongst police too. Oh yes, yes, yeah, we so. have our own fair share of our issues with police. You know, I know you're that, tatted. Yeah. You're wearing the wrong khakis. You're wearing a rosary, like. It's 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 and again you're you're being racially profiled because you have on the dickies because you have on the tats because you have this because you know it's that's what it is you're being racially profiled you know so like a lot of people <clears throat> a lot of police officers would look at them and they have the khakis what else rosary beads rosary beads Khakis and rosary beads and tats. And tats. And maybe even a wife beater. And a wife beater. And then they're considered probably a threat. They're probably considered gang-related. Yeah. You know? So just because you dress a certain way doesn't mean that you are gang-related. Going back to the Hispanic imprisonment, um, there are 283,000 Hispanics in federal and state prison and local jails making up slightly over 15% of the inmate inmate population. 15%. Mm-hmm. Um, nearly one in three, 32% persons held in federal prison are Hispanic. As of 2001, 4% of Hispanic males in their 20s and early 30s were in prison or in jail as compared to 1.8 of white males. Now, we are the fastest growing population. What do you mean? Hispanics, Latinos, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're everywhere. Yeah, I think you guys, well, I'm sorry. I think. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think Latinos make up right now uh, like 17 or 18 percent of the country's population. Um, I think they surpass black people i think in the 90s guys this isn't a competition but we're no just it's not a competition <laughs> but black people y'all need to make love more out no, like, <laughs> but um no, no but i think they do i think they make um up about 17 or 18 percent you know and it's it's crazy because i like i was telling you like so i have a friend who has a brother who at the time when he was younger, was trying to do the khakis, was trying to do the Cortezes and, and the rosary beads. Um, and his parents had to check him. Like, yo, you can't, you can't dress like that. Mm-hmm. Not here. Mm-hmm. You walk around with your Cortezes and your khakis and your shirt tucked in with your belt. Cops are going to ask the, you, right. you look suspicious. But see, that's and that's what's sad about it. Because... Um, like even with Trayvon Martin, I know that that was an issue because he was he was wearing a hoodie, mm-hmm. and so you had that whole uh, issue of because I'm wearing a hoodie, I'm a threat. You oh know? yeah, that's I'm not trying to blame a bunch of media because now that we're doing this, we we've become a part of the media. Mm-hmm. But um, I think a lot of the coverage uh, of the media will make. You know, certain black people look threatening and certain Latino people look threatening. And that's not always the case. I told you, I was in a, a neighborhood um, and it was late and I was tired and I pulled over and I parked in a, a metered parking section and um, wanted to rest my eyes for a bit. And so then 
I, I'm leaning back in my seat and I close my eyes and then I have the police show up and they start waving their light and tell, they're telling me to move along and I'm like, okay, I just wanted to close my eyes so I don't get into an accident. I don't cause an accident. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my friend and the, relatively the same area falls asleep at a traffic light and he's white and the police show up and, and wake him up and ask him, what is he doing? And, and then they... Um, help him by escorting him home and making sure he gets into his apartment okay and i'm like man like it sucks to label things but when it when it happens you don't have another option but two i and you know what yeah and i tried to to reconcile this because i was like okay well we're in the same neighborhood when this like happens um maybe i didn't get the same officers that that offered to escort him home. God, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, there's, there's, it's unfortunate that we hear a lot of stories about all these bad cops mm-hmm. because there are good cops out there. There are good cops that take the oath serious and that are out there to protect lives. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that we don't see that. As I was looking at just LAPD and, and the six months that they get to train, which is like 24 weeks, sometimes it goes up, I think, to 30 weeks. They work on law, human relations, Spanish, report writing, firearms, driving, physical fitness, and self-defense. But all of that is on them. Nothing has to do with other people. Right. But I'm saying that's eight things that you're covering in six months. Yeah. My job is, is difficult. And I'm still learning after being in that position for yeah. a year. I, like, yeah. I imagine you're still learning how to do things, and you've been in your position for like a year or so. <laughs> Every day I learn something new. You know what I mean? New. So I, I like to squeeze all of this in, and not to, I'm just going on a quick tangent, mm-hmm. but to squeeze all of this in um, and like cram that in 24 weeks. And, and say, okay, now we're going to put you on the road for a few hours with another partner. Along, yeah, and you're going to learn how to deal with people and what's the correct way to detain somebody. And, what, and then you're good to go on your own. It's like, what in the world are you guys thinking? And that's what I'm saying. And, and that's why I told you that. The, and again, I'm not it's just not taken if, seriously. Right. But I'm not justifying this. What I'm about to say, I'm not justifying it because. Nevertheless, the uh, the police officers that were there at the scene with George Floyd should have done something. They should have said something. They should have taken him out. If but I think two of those. Even for a second, you go, this is excessive force. This is not what we should be doing. Call it in. But I think two of them had just started. Call it in. I if, know. If I know. That's what I'm that saying. And say, but, but we're you know going what? on lack of this- training. Right. You have superiors there that have been in this field way longer than you have. And haven't received that much more training. And maybe they, they probably have gone through training for 24 weeks, too. Probably. No. And again, I'm not justifying you, it. For but that's second, I'm just saying. Take that badge off then, because if you can't see something and go, wait a second, it's been eight minutes and 46 seconds. And this is it's been on. two minutes. <laughs> You a know, minute. Any, any, yeah, any length of time, this man is already detained. And you have to put your knee on his neck and you're like questioning, is this right? Is this what we are supposed to let happen? Call somebody and call a superior and say, you know what? 
I think this guy's using way too much force. What Why do you think they didn't do that? Pressure. Like I told you, there's a code amongst police officers. You have my back, I got yours. If he, if those three officers had, I can't even pronounce it, Chauvin, if they had his back while he was doing that, whatever were to happen, then Chauvin's got their back the next time they need some help. If they even for a moment go, uh-uh, no, I'm not standing behind this, Chauvin's not going to stand behind them. But there's like a code that police have amongst each other. It's almost like a brotherhood or a sisterhood or siblinghood, whatever you want to call it. Cop but code. Yeah, that they have where they are there for one another, even if their behavior is questionable. Right, but we can't say that all cop like just like there's little posses in high school, mm-hmm. there's posses in the work field. So maybe not everybody falls within that same guideline of I have your back, you have mine. No. We can't I mean, say no, I know. Because we don't know. And the superiors that allow this stuff to go on, they need to be held accountable too because when you have this officer literally murdering George Floyd and he's already had 17 complaints against him, like how serious are these complaints being taken? Not serious at all. Yeah, I mean, killed somebody. you know, and he's already got a history of, of using excessive force when he's working at nightclubs and uh, trying to control a black crowd by spraying them down with mace. Too much. Like, y- you guys need to look into this a lot more than what was being done. Like, 17 complaints. If I got 17 complaints about my job... <laughs> You know how quickly I'd be moved out? Like, I wouldn't have even accrued 17 complaints. I would have been, like, told, okay, Corlin, this isn't for you after, like, maybe three complaints. Yeah. 17? That's insane. No, uh, yeah. yeah. Like, he shouldn't have been, he should not have even been out on the field with yeah, 17 that, complaints. No. That, that's, it, it's, at that point, and I don't know how they operate, but at that point, when you're, when you're getting that many there needs to be uh, a review, an evaluation of the person, and say, you know what, this isn't, this isn't for you. He actually had 18. 18 complaints. Mm-hmm. So it, he actually did have, I mean, 17, 18, regardless of the fact you have more than fucking five complaints. Right. You know, you shouldn't be out there. And obviously it's unclear what the complaints against Chauvin were. And they're not going to tell us what the complaints were. And I, I think one of the complaints is still under investigation. So uh, I, I don't know. I think when you've gotten so many complaints about you, at some point you need to, while you're investigating, you need to give that person a desk job if they can do that. Like it's time to be uh, demoted or suspended and say until we've gotten through this we need to uh, place you here you should not be in a position where you are policing people be a lead and say and lead your people if you see that you have an employee who is obviously having issues with people out in the field I mean of course you're going to have some issues but when people are saying like no this isn't he, he did something that was uncalled for then Pull them aside, say, you know what, we're going to leave you here in this position for some time. Like, what they should have done is they should have just, oh, but you know what? I was going to say what they should have done is they should have just left him on the side of the road 
because of essentially when they first approached George Floyd's car, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't Chavin and the other. Oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, yeah. So the the per, the first people that that got to the scene were Thomas and again I don't know that I'm pronouncing their names right. Thomas Kiernan Lane and Alexander Quang were the first ones that got there. Uh, Thomas is white and Alexander is black. So they were the ones that that got there first. And even just approaching the vehicle, Thomas or Alexander tell George Floyd to get out of the car, pointing a gun at him over a $20 false bill. Um, in the report, they said that he was acting um, out of control. If you've seen the video, George Floyd was not acting out of control, and he was being cooperative. He sat on the side of the sidewalk, stayed there, and it wasn't until they were trying to get him into the car that they were having an issue. Right. That's when... And he said, uh, from what I understand, George Floyd said that he was not trying to be uncooperative. He just has a claustrophobia of being in the back seat. Right. Right. So, so then that's when um, Tao... Nam Thao and Derek Chauvin show up mm-hmm. and try to get him into the back of the, the cop car and then they can't, right? And then that's when the eight minutes and counting go, mm-hmm. you know? So it's it's almost like people that are that have a Down syndrome or, peop, or people that... And see, and that's what I like mean you, about you, the training. It's different. Like you can't treat everyone that's what the I, same. That's what I mean about the training. You can't think that 30 weeks is sufficient to get somebody trained to police people they're going to come across people who do have down syndrome or they are autistic they have a mental illness a good two years because then you actually can at least no that's that's too long no we wouldn't have any cops no if they if they're serious about protecting and serving then they need to learn. They need to learn what they're facing out there. I think that we need to take that position a lot more serious than thinking six months of training is good. Let's send them out. That no, there's not. There's no way that six months is enough to have them be out there to police people. That we that shows you how much we how seriously we take the position. Mm-hmm. I just think two years is a long time. No, two years. I mean, we're not asking for them to have a college I think that degree. we need to I think I think that we need to reevaluate what they are being trained on. But even, and, and even maybe if they're fix, being trained and maybe fix what they're being trained on. Yeah. Right? So if the training process is how long? Six months. Six months. Okay. Mm-hmm. And within those six months you're learning what? You're learning law, human relations, Spanish, report writing, firearms, driving, physical fitness, and self defense. All that is important. You're facing all kinds of stuff where you're going to need that. But what's what's happening with in the human relations? How how much can you squeeze in that in six months? And they probably don't talk about people with Down syndrome, people with mental issues, people with this, people with that. So it's like <sighs> two years. And I'm not asking that they go to college and get their degree. Maybe and they then, should. And then do another two years of, of academy. I'm just saying... There should be, and you know what, I'm not an expert. So I, I say two years sounds sufficient, but 
that that position needs to be taken a lot more serious than six months. You know, it's not something that's that's it's trivial. You know, if you're learning like, no, nah, that's wrong. I was about to what? say fast food. I was about to say if you're learning like fast Burger food King. or something. But you know, some people there they take that job seriously. But if Bro, you're learning something, sometimes that, if you go to McDonald's and you ask them for more ketchup, they look at you like you just t- took five dollars out of their paycheck. It, this is a serious job. This is not something where you're just yeah. You're giving them authority. You're giving them power. And you and you think that they that they can handle that after about six weeks. Definitely I mean, six not. Yeah, no, no, but not two years, yeah, bro. That's think, a long. No, two years is. It's a long time. It is, but then that shows you how serious they are about the the job that they're True. they're signing up for. I wanted to play a clip from one of the speakers at the conversation truck. Her name is Blossom C. Brown. She uh, really made me more aware of how um, black trans lives are, are sort of uh, threatened and how they are treated unfairly. So I felt like I really needed to share this because it doesn't seem like they have much of a platform to speak. So I felt like, why not on our podcast? So just going to play a few minutes of it and uh, listen, check it out, and hope you enjoy. What's up, everybody? I am Blossom C. Brown, and I am here with the conversation truck. And I want to say, first of all, thank you so much for letting this powerful black trans woman be able to see What I want to 
to take this platform right now to speak to every single transgender person that is in the world right now that is suffering, that they can't hear you. Let me tell you something. I hear you, I see you, and I will make sure that my community is elevated. And I need all of y'all to help elevate and amplify our voice. Thanks for joining us on Chatroom. Don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chat underscore room 2020.